0: Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you all so much for the beautiful day you've blessed us with and the awesome opportunity to gather in your house and get back into your Word. Help us now as we continue our studies through the, the book of Romans, that we can understand it and apply it in the right way. And thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Romans, we'll pick it up here in Romans chapter 15. This is, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. That's a very important attitude to have in Christian behavior is to put others before yourself. As he continues, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For... Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So here he's pointing out that the Lord paid the price for our sins, not His sins, took that on, and that the Scriptures prophesied it and it was fulfilled, and that gives us that confidence in the future fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of God as well. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. A very important point is bringing out here is like-minded. Very early on. Now this was written around 60 A.D. So this was only like 30 years after the ascension of Jesus Christ in the early New Testament church and you already find People that are trying to divide things, trying to cause rift, trying to cause confusion. And he's saying to be like-minded. You need to come together under the common belief of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Here he's repeating some of the Psalms, some of the prophecies that how that the grace of the Lord is going to open up to Welcome everybody in to an opportunity to be a part of the family of God. Opportunity of salvation, opportunity of forgiveness to all mankind, not just to the chosen families of the descendants of Abraham. Verse 10. And again, he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and loud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. There, once again, emphasizing over and over that it would be going to the Gentiles. Now, you go back into the Old Testament, you're not going to find the word Gentile, you're going to find the word heathen. So, when you go back to compare the references to the prophecies of of the Old Testament, you'll see the word heathen, which is speaking of the Gentiles. And there that is talking about the root of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And Jesus is the descendant through that bloodline by way of Mary. A blood connection all the way by way of Mary. In verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13 is a very powerful one there concerning being filled with that hope and joy and peace. But note, it says, in believing. That believing is just like in John 3.16. Believing. It's by living in Jesus Christ. When you truly live in Jesus Christ and Him in you, then you will have that joy and that peace that passeth all understanding. And you will be filled with that hope, that confidence in Jesus. What the Lord says. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. A bit of a compliment and a praise there to the church at Rome. Nevertheless, brethren, you always got to watch that. What's the next verse? It's like, just like when the Lord's speaking to the seven churches in, in Romans chapter 2 and 3, he gives them a bit of a compliment, and he says, well, but by the way, let me point something else out. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Point out here that he's been given the task of being able to serve the Lord in a ministry position to them because there is a need there. It isn't that they had everything just fine and didn't need any correction or any guidance. They needed the guidance, and that was given the task of given was given to Paul to go out and give them that guidance. I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He's talking about how he is receiving the glory, how he glory, he's really been given an awesome task of responsibility to go out into the Gentiles to preach the gospel. Some of the other disciples, apostles, were preaching to anybody and everybody, but... Paul sort of zeroed in, focused in on the Gentiles. Peter was instructed by the Lord directly to also preach to the Gentiles, but he was preaching to everyone. But Paul was given that specific task to go. and He was, as you say, glorying He's glad that the Lord had chosen him to be a minister of the Lord, to go to the Gentiles, which was quite a challenge because the Gentiles didn't have the foundation of belief to begin with. He had to go into a people that had no knowledge of the history, whereas if you went to the the Jews, you could relate to them the scriptures of the Old Testament that they were familiar with and then show them the fulfillment of the prophecies in the coming of Jesus Christ. But the Gentiles didn't have any of that. They had the pagan beliefs and so forth. So it was quite a challenge to reach the Gentiles. As it continues, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Here he's pointing out the task that he has, like I spoke of earlier, going out to those that had not yet received any information from the Old Testament. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But Now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints." For it hath pleased them in Macedonia and Archaea to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. This interesting statement there in verse 26, he's pointing out that the churches are taking care of the congregation. You have church members that have a need and they're assisting. The poor saints. He's not just saying the poor folks. In general, not the pagans, not the unbelieving, but to support and help the saints. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things, to assist them. See, once you share the gospel to them, and then continue to help them, even the Gentiles, not just the Jews. When therefore I have Performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Here, showing the example of a request for prayer in the ministry. Paul, with all the great faith that he has, all the great works that the Lord has done through him, and still pointing out the importance of prayer, importance of prayer for the saints, for each other, even those that are very influential, and very effective, they still need prayer. Verse 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The God of peace, that peace that passeth all understanding. So we see how this book to the Romans is winding down. Now in 16 he gets into some interesting points. Here he starts to salute the various ones that were in the ministry. We don't have a lot of information about all these folks, but some of them we've we've got some general information about. And noting how he's giving them some recognition and also asking for prayer for them as, once again, the example of how we need to pray for each other. Even those of great faith still need prayers from the other saints in Romans chapter 16. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Securia. Now this Securia, we don't have a lot of information on, but he's pointing out that Phoebe, our sister, now you have a lot of attitude in some ministries where they sort of leave the women out of the ministry completely. But here, Paul brings out several women that are in the ministry, doing a work for the Lord. Verse 2, "...that ye receive her in the Lord, as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a securer of many, and of myself also." That is, a supplier of needs." He's greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Now, if you remember Priscilla and Aquila, Paul hooked up with them very early on in his ministry. They were tent makers, and he traveled with them, and they made tents and used them those funds to help finance their missionary trips. They worked together, so he was very close with Priscilla and Aquila. "...who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles." All the churches of the Gentiles. Giving thanks to Priscilla and Aquila because he went with them or they went with him on quite a bit of the missionary trips that he took to the the Gentiles. "...Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Ephenitus." Who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ? Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Now, the next few verses here have a lot of Greek names that I might not pronounce exactly right, but bear with me. We'll struggle our way through this. Salute and Drabnichus and Junia, my kinsman, and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me, noting that they were Christians, they believers even before him himself. Greet Amphrius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Erbin, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, my approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Now that's Aristobulus's household. We salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Perses, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Philogon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philisticus, and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. This saluting is not like a military salute. You just go up and... This is talking about giving recognition, having an interaction with them, greeting them, welcoming them, and acknowledging them for being workers in the Lord. Verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren... Mark them which cause divisions in offenses, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. That's a very important point that he drops in here in the middle of these salutes to those that are doing a good work. It's a bit of a caution and a bit of a marker, you might say, because that's what he says, to mark them. Watch out, look out, because there are people that will infiltrate the group that behave as if they are Christians, but truly they are not. As he continues, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple, those that are easily swayed. We have seen through the ages many times how churches have been divided by some infiltrator that comes in and starts teaching something and starts persuading some of a, of a group, maybe new believers, as he says here, simple, at those that are easily swayed one way or the other, they're kind of double-minded or not really sound in their trust or believing in the Word of God, and he gets somebody in there to sort of twist it around and, and manipulates them and pulls them out. He's a caution here, look out for those. They are very prominent back then and they are very prominent today and they are all around so watch out for them let's read it again verse 17 now i beseech you brethren mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them contrary to the doctrine now doctrine is the teaching of the truth of the word of god and anything that is contrary to the word of god anybody who comes in and starts saying, well, that this, it should be that, and starts to try to change what the Word of God says, then you need to mark them. That means acknowledge who they are and avoid them. Plain and simple, avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not serving the Lord, you're against the Lord. If you're not Christian, you're anti-Christ. If you're not serving the Lord, you're serving the devil. Simple as that. But their own belly. They're in it for the profit. They're in it for their own glory. They like the recognition. They like the praise. They like the titles. And they're in it for their own selfish, greedy desires to be fulfilled. And by good words, notice good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They'll take the Word of God, and they'll twist it around, and they'll come in so charming and cheerful and friendly, but yet they're conniving at the core. Be careful with those. Mark them and avoid them. Verse 19, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil like don't be gullible know that there is evil out there always be on guard for the craftiness and the subtlety of Satan he's very subtle he'll come in in a smooth way and just sweep somebody right out the door verse 20 and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly and that's that's awesome encouraging right there There is a day of accountability for Satan. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. That grace, that unmerited favor. And that's truly what we need in everyday life. The grace of the Lord. And that grace is so precious because it is truly unmerited. We didn't earn it, but yet He gives that to us. And He can strengthen us. He can give us that solid foundation to stand on. Wrap his loving arms around us, gives us that peace, give us that hope, that joy, and be able to go right up against Satan with his power, his might, and conquering him. Verse 21. Timotheus, my workfellow, and Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Now, verse 22 there. You note it says I Tertius. It's been acknowledged that this is the book of Paul to the Romans because it's acknowledged in the title. If you look at your Bible and back into verse one, there it says the letter of Paul to the Romans. And in verse one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul sending out this letter. But Tertius actually did the physical writing, the records of it. Tias traveled with Paul. And you see this reference in others of the, the books. Paul wrote the ones directly himself by his hand that he wrote while he was in captive, while he was under arrest, while he was traveling under arrest as he made his way to Rome while under arrest, and while he was in house arrest, he wrote other letters such as First and 2 Timothy. He himself wrote, Pin that down, and Titus, he himself, because he didn't have his secretary, you might say, to write these things down. And Tertius did the physical writing of the epistle, but it was all dictated to him by Paul. Verse 23: "Gaius, mine host and of the whole church, salute you. Aristus and chamber, the chamberlain of the city salute you, and Cortus, a brother." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Over and over he's acknowledging that. The grace be upon you, the grace be upon you. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. One thing I like to point out here. You see where he point he, he makes the statement my gospel. This doesn't mean that he's wrote a new gospel that's a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you've got to look at the title, or I should say the word gospel, what he's speaking of. The gospel means good news. The good news that he's sharing. So that's you could put that in there. According to my good news, which I shared to you. The good news is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And where it says, which was kept secret since the world began there were things that were not given to the prophets of the Old Testament that were revealed in the coming of Jesus Christ. And now we are able to share that. But now it is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. These secrets of the Old Testament that were not revealed to them back then being fulfilled in the New Testament and the revelation that Jesus Christ gave us about being reconciled to God and about a relationship with God and being able to be with Him for eternity and looking forward to all the many things that He has in store for us that were revealed through the finished work of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness, so much that has been revealed by the work of Jesus Christ. That's what He's speaking of been made manifest. The opportunity to become united with God in such a way that no one of the Old Testament was able to have all the way back to Adam and Eve. That reconciliation, to be able to, once again, be able to address God Almighty, the Father, as Abba, Daddy, or Papa. That close and personal relationship was not available to anyone prior to the finished work of Jesus Christ. That was part of what was being held back from the Old Testament folks and revealed and available to the New Testament read 25 and 26 again now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to all nations, to all mankind, not just to the Jews, but to everyone, and being revealed to everyone, because He manifests Himself to everyone. In verse 27, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And we truly see the revelation of the New Testament, to all mankind, as he points out the light going to everyone. You go back over to the Gospel of John in chapter 1. A few verses here, we see how it's fulfilled. It reads, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, without Him with not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men." And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Notice, all men, not just the descendants of Abraham. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Revealed to everyone, not just to the children of Israel. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came in unto his own and his own received him not. This own is speaking of the children of Israel because he was of that bloodline, but they rejected him. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ, the one and only, true and living God, that came down and took on flesh to live amongst us, to reveal all those secrets, to make it manifest to all mankind and the opportunity to be reconciled to God, to be adopted back into the family. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's so amazing the many things that we can learn. Every time we seem to go through it, there's something else that you bring out and reveal to us. We truly thank you for that. And help us always to use it properly and encourage us to go out and share with others. And always bring honor and glory to you. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.